Hello, South Byers. Brittany Reese is a former long jumper who represented America in four different Olympics beginning in 2008. During that time, she won two silvers and, yes, a gold medal in 2012. She's also taking part in South by Southwest 2022. I had a chance to catch up with Brittany prior to her appearance at South by. Brittany, it's a pleasure getting to speak with you today. Thank you so much for the time. Uh, how's your stay in Austin going so far? So far it's good. You know, uh, we had a dinner last night and got to meet other creators and other people with Triller. So um, it was a great event last night. I'm enjoying myself so far. Where was dinner? We went to a local, um, I don't forgot the name of it, but it was really good. Like they served us like entrees of different types of uh, Austin type food. So it was pretty good. Very cool. Uh, is this your first time to the city? Actually, it's my second. I came here for a track meet um, a couple of years ago. Um, but Texas Relays. Texas Relays, yeah. <laughs> the, the big one. <laughs> but other than that, yeah, this is my, this is my first time actually in going around the city. So you're in town for a couple of different reasons. That includes a panel discussion going on today where you are talking about being a brand ambassador who really isn't compromising who she is as a person. Uh, why is that such an important cause for you? I just feel like you you want to stay true to yourself. And if brands were, are willing to work with you, they will let you be yourself and promote their their product or whatever it is that they want you to promote and while being yourself and not you know being fake. So... Um, I like to work with brands that are, are willing to compromise on that. Now, one of your brands I'm a big fan of, Bounty. I use Bounty paper towels <laughs> like people use duct tape. My wife gets upset with me with how many paper towels I use. Uh, but what are some of the other brands that, uh, that you are responsible for? So uh, at this event, it'll be the NYX um, makeup and then it'll also be Charmin. Um, so now I've, I've been, had the opportunity to work with, you know, Nike and uh, you two, the people who is a... Uh, uh, a facial, uh, some facial products. So um, other than that, um, just to, that's about it for right now. Cool. So I wanted to uh, talk a little bit about your life, see where you came from. I love uh, exploring the depths with people who have achieved great successes. And obviously, winning a gold medal in the Olympics quali qualifies as successful, as does uh, everything else that you've done in your track career and just uh, just your reputation as a human being, too. So um, you were born in Inglewood, but you did most of your growing up in the South. Uh, when did you move to the South and where exactly did you go? So I moved to the South around the age of two or three, I think it most likely was three, and we moved to Mississippi to be closer to my mom's grandmother. So that's where I kind of like grew up with with her, and um, so I grew up with my great grandmother and my great grand my grandfather. What was your uh, childhood like? It was a, a active childhood. <laughs> I played all the sports: basketball, I ran track, went to volleyball, did cross country. Um, I was in the band. You know, I just stayed active. I was one of those kids that just had like just had a lot of energy, so my mama made sure I was in sports. Was track always your favorite growing up? Which track, I'm sorry? Always your favorite growing up? No, it was actually basketball. <laughs> I played basketball. I actually thought I was gonna be in the, in the Olympics for, uh, for like the WNBA and things like that for basketball, but uh, God saw another plan, so ended up with track. 
You said you were around your grandmother and grandfather. Uh, in my life, my grandfather was the most important male role model that I had. Uh, uh, how, uh, how important was your grandfather in your upbringing, just instilling certain values in you? Oh, most definitely. He was the, the main reason why I was in sports. My grandfather was a coach, and um, he was well-known around the community. So me being in sports, it, it lit up his world. He was at every trap meet. He was at every basketball game that he could make. Um, even while I was in college, he was able to ride up some time with my mom so he played a major role in my life and he was like the main um the main male in my life so um losing him was a, a big 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 part of my um that one of my downfalls that I had in my career so it was tough at the at the moment but I, re I had to realize that you know he wouldn't want me to be uh, sad or anything like that he wanted me to keep pushing forward so um just having him knowing that he's looking down upon me you know it was always a blessing when did he pass away? In 2017, I want to say. Okay, so this was recently. You had already uh, you already been pretty deep into your career, but you obviously uh, you're still uh, competing. So uh, it's uh, no doubt uh, an understandable. Um, a difficult thing that you're having to deal with. We may talk a little bit about that more later. When did you realize that you were good enough in track to perhaps explore getting a college education from it, but then also uh, maybe turning professional as well? Yeah, so when I realized I, um, how good I was in track and field, well, probably like the 12th grade, um, I won Gatorade Athlete of the Year for my for my state and at the time I, I wasn't still wasn't really big on track and field but I ended up taking a basketball scholarship um, instead of going to track and then um, I went to a community college not too far from my house and um, I I had a lot of offers coming out of high school not not only just Ole Miss but LSU Arkansas all the top you know jump programs and um, I originally did sign with Ole Miss but then like just wanted to go play basketball. But so a thing happening at basketball at the community college where a bunch of my teammates got in trouble for, they got caught smoking weed and got kicked off the team. So we went to regionals with like six and a half people. And I say have, cause one of the girls ankle was hurt. So, <laughs> so we went there and like, of course we got our butt whooped. And so I called my mom crying and she basically said, if you want to rely on other people, stick with basketball. If you want to rely on yourself, go back to track. So I chose track. That's a great piece of advice. And so you had taken a total break from track while you were playing basketball in college. Yeah, I, I took a total break. How difficult was it to get back into the flow of track and field? It actually was quite easy. Mm -hmm. It wasn't. It wasn't difficult at all because when you're playing basketball, you run it up and down, up and down the court. And in the in track, I mean, you just run a couple of two hundreds and things like that, and then you're done. So it wasn't really that hard of a transition. I picked it up really quickly, like I never left, and was able to make my first team in 2007. So whenever the word got out that you were getting yourself back into track, did a lot of those SEC offers come flowing back in? So um, obviously, uh, honestly, the Ole Miss coach kept in contact with me. He, yeah, he, he stayed in contact with me because they really wanted me to come. So once I just told him that I decided I'm going to take track, he, was, he jumped on it like, yeah, let's come I'm send you the papers. <laughs> and I would imagine at least part of it is him showing that he cares about you as a person or even if you never end up back in track and field he wants to make sure to keep track yeah, of you right we made a great bond um, i still talk to him to this day like he, he's a, a great human being so um i always appreciate him sticking up sticking beside me and you know help guide me to what what was your uh greatest feat as a collegiate uh just uh i'd probably say just being able to travel with my teammates and uh winning the sec titles probably what about greatest individual accomplishment, winning the SEC title? 
I will say one one SEC meet I did win. Well, I did one uh, national title also, but uh, I would say as far as the SEC, I'll say um, you're so modest. I won a <laughs> national title too. <laughs> yeah, I won an indoor and outdoor national title, but I, I one meet um, one of our teammates had passed away, and we. Um, dedicated the season to him and mm-hmm. I was able to at SEC outdoor championship I scored the most points out of everybody like out of, I think I scored like 31 points by myself how many different events were you doing was it just just I did the long jump high jump triple jump and I did the four by one good god Brittany four <laughs> by one on top of all of that yeah I was one of the fastest uh, on the team still so why did you eventually decide to stick strictly with long jump then because long jump is just, I feel like that's where I was better at. Um, I could have sprint, I could have sprint, but I just felt like long jump was where I, I was always that, that kid growing up, jumping out of trees, jumping out of, mm-hmm. off top of buildings, apartment buildings, jumping, just jumping, jumping, jumping. And it reminded me of basketball, so I just felt like the, the long jump was where I wanted to be. Okay, and uh, so was it at some point during your college career that you focused solely on the long jump, or was when you decided to go pro after that? It was when I turned pro I solely focused on it. I did um, the long high trip and all that to just help the team out get some points and but uh long jump is where the heart is at because even though it's uh more an individual thing with track and field you still have the uh, the team spirit of basketball exactly you still got to be a team and you know i was i'm all i'm playing basketball growing up playing basketball it's all still gonna always be about the team so i made sure i put myself out there for the team were you immediately signed by nike or somebody else coming out of college to uh make sure that they could be there to support you as you pursued uh olympic dreams obviously other dreams that come with being a track and field pro yeah so when i actually turned professional early i had one more year left in college and basically my college coach sat me down it's like you need to be pushed you need to be challenged so um he encouraged me to turn pro and um, that day before the Olympic trials, I signed with Nike. That had to have felt pretty big. Yeah, it was really, really, really big for me because, you know, it was giving me the opportunity to um, be on my own and then have my own income and then be able to take care of my, my mom. So I was like, happy about it. She was there when I signed and everything. Uh, when you went professional, uh, obviously you start training immediately. Did the training intensify that much versus what you were going through in college? I kind of like stuck stuck with the same coach and stuck with the same things that we had been doing um, just because I was used to that. And then things tapered down to where um, I would start doing more long distance things and stuff like that. But far as I stayed with the same for a little bit. And you've competed in four Olympics now, correct? First Olympics was 2008? Uh, how was that experience? It was an experience. <laughs> um, it was my first time. It was my second time going overseas, but it was like my first really, really major competition. Um, I was nervous, but I also came away from that situation because I ended up getting fifth, now fourth because we had a, a drug cheat. But um, came with that situation, learning that I, if I want to take this serious, I need to do a little bit more. Um, I, on the way, after I jumped and competed, I cried because in my head I was getting third. I was projected to get third. Ended up getting fifth. So I'm crying on the way back to the, the athlete's village and just made a promise to myself to never get left off the podium again. So once I got back to the States, me and my coach had a sit-down talk, and I just started, I need to do this, 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 this in order to be successful. So it helped. That's interesting because if I'm remembering correctly, you had the best jump in qualifiers, yes. but then you ended up placing fifth overall. Correct, correct. So, it, you know, that kind of devastated me. And I don't love to hear that you got fifth place in that moment, but what I love about that, Brittany, and just hearing you talk about it is that the most successful people 
not only fail, they oftentimes fail repeatedly and are able to make little tweaks or sometimes big adjustments and doing things differently going forward. So you talked with your coach about doing things differently and you continue that grind, obviously. What did change for you in that moment, uh, perhaps training-wise or some other element of how you went about your business? So I started seeing a nutritionist. I started seeing... Um the weight Always room, the yep, the diet. I, I was, I'm, and still, it, I'm, it's not where it needed to be, but I mean, it was a lot better. <laughs> um, I wanted to get faster and I wanted to get stronger. So um, I was, I sat down and talked with the strength coach. And I sat down and talked with my coach about, you know, building more speed up uh, on the runway. And I started watching videos. I learned more about the biomechanics of the long jump. Um, I fixed my landing to work because my landing was terrible. So I fixed that. So I was just little things that I felt like needed to be in place in order to be successful across the years, not just in one span, but just across the years. How does a landing go from terrible to good? Um, when I was landing in college, I was landing straight on my feet. This time I'm actually getting dirty. <laughs> okay, so you, you kind of have to slide into the... I had to slide into, I had to learn how to actually land instead of just landing on my feet. Interesting. Uh, what was the hardest food to uh, either give up or cut down on big time? So being from, you know, being raised in Mississippi, you know, fried foods. <laughs> uh huh. Get away from it. Uh, so uh, you're back at the Olympics in 2012. Uh, did this go better than the previous four years? Oh, most definitely. That was, that's when I won my first medal. Um, it showed just how dedicated I was the next four years leading up to that. Um, I was faster, I was stronger, I was healthier, everything was, my mental was where it needed to be, and I went out there and just handled business like I should have. What medal did you win in that Olympics? Gold. See, you're so <laughs> modest about things. National championships, gold medals, I ah, win these things here and there. Um, that, I mean, in terms of happiest moments of your life, it's number one? That's number one, most, most definitely that's number one. What's number two? Uh, I would say winning another, well, I won, no, I will say the Olympics in Beijing, I mean, not Beijing, 2016 Rio. I got silver there. Okay. And what about non-track and field moments? What's the happiest moment of your life? Um, I have an adopted 14-year-old, so that's probably it. Oh, wow. Uh, son or daughter? Son. What's his name? Alex. Alex, and uh, is Alex and all sorts of sports at this age, too? Yes, he is. <laughs> is he a future star? <laughs> Almost definitely, yeah. He's fast. I mean, he's you just got to get that uh, dedication in, out of him. Yet. He hasn't matured enough yet for that. So back to the winning that gold medal for a second. I mean, did you know, obviously you're focused on making that happen. You feel like you're performing well. Mm -hmm. In the moment that it's happening, is there even the slightest shift in mindset where you realize that I'm better than everybody else and I'm just going to make sure to prove that right now with what I do over these next couple of jumps? Um, I started, you know, having that kind of mindset in 2009. That's when I won my first world championship. So after that, I was like, okay, I'm on a roll. And I just started winning, 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 winning. And the only thing I only had left to win was the Olympics. So in 2012, after I won, I was like, yeah, I'm unstoppable. <laughs> no doubt about that. Is that around the same time that you set the indoor American long jump record too? That record in 2012, yeah. What was different for you that day, uh, just in terms of uh, like what was happening leading up to it, and then that, the actual performance itself? So leading up to it, I think um, that that one was in the United States. It was in Oregon. I'm not, yeah, it was in Oregon. So it was like a, just a different atmosphere. You're home. You don't have to fly overseas. You don't have to adjust to no time or nothing like that. So it was just everything was just there. Um, so I guess leading up to it um, in the competition, I actually was in second, and the girl in front of me jumped something crazy and I was like okay I gotta 
put a big one out there if I want to win because it's my last jump. And just went out there and my last jump, I jumped the American record. Did it feel like the perfect jump? It did. It did. Most definitely did. I got the crowd involved, which, you know, helps bring more energy. I just felt good. So in 2016, back at the Olympics once again, three or four, um, what stands out to you about that Olympics? That one, that was a tough one. That's the one I, I lost. <laughs> that was my silver. Uh, but the, the, the lady that uh, beat me was Tiana Madison, so she was from the United States also. So I wasn't too upset. But, you know, the things about that one was I think that's when my bib scraped the ground uh, right before I landed, so it put me in second. So um, I could have, should have won that one. But should have got the gold in that one but you know everything happens for reasons but but you still got silver i, I got silver yeah <laughs> i mean look i guess technically you did lose but home, you still yeah. won i went home with something so i wasn't really upset about it at all interesting uh, as far as uh the track and field community goes i get the sense that it's a, a lot like uh plenty of other sports where there are there's not you have the competition on the field you have rivalry uh, rivalries with other individuals but it seems like uh in a lot of ways everybody's rooting for everybody else too is that how you would uh define it in some in some events yeah um for the women's long jump we you know we have people that don't like me <laughs> What's that about? <laughs> me winning, basically, just me winning. Yeah, no other, no other way to put it. Yeah, but when it comes to like me cheering on other people, I mean, if you show me respect, I'm gonna show you respect. So that's just how it is for me. Do you have a biggest rival? Um, I would say Serbia and Germany. Why is that? Well, the German girl beat me, and then the Serbian girl, she tries to beat me. <laughs> <laughs> she trying to intimidate you too in between jumps? Uh, no, they don't say anything. They just look. They just stare at you yeah, stare. with that Eastern European yeah, stare? Yeah, they'll, they'll stare at me all the whole while. <laughs> so uh, the 2020 Olympics are obviously very unique because they were postponed by a year uh, over in Japan last summer. Uh, just how weird uh, was that experience versus the previous three that you had had? It was definitely weird. Um, we would, basically wasn't really able to go out and explore like we are. Usually we can go see other events. They give us tickets to go see other events. That was obviously a no. Um, every morning was a COVID test. Um, you had to spit in the little tube every single morning to make sure you're you're good. So uh, one of our athletes ended up getting COVID, and it's kind of like scared everybody. And everybody was like, "I'm not going nowhere. I'm like staying in the room." So basically, all I went was to the cafeteria and to training and back to my room. Like I didn't I didn't want to miss that opportunity of, of not being able to compete. And then like the the stands wasn't as you know wasn't as packed and wasn't as crowded so you kind of had to like build up your own energy did that lack of energy from the stands affect your performance no i don't think it really did um i don't really need to need that i mean it's a big help but i know how to draw out my own my um like i call it the inner beast i know how to bring out the inner beast what's your process there just i don't like to lose <laughs> just if you want to win you better go jump far so that's a good motivator <laughs> so uh obviously we have a potential fifth olympics here in just a few years now i mean is that something that you're still strongly considering no <laughs> done? I'm done i'm done with olympics done with track and field so uh, a lot of professional athletes, when they retire, there is a void that exists, and it's completely understandable because you dedicate your entire life, your mental and physical well-being, to make sure that you are at your peak when it matters most. Uh, have you felt uh, a sense of 
for lack of a better term, de- depression since making this decision? And uh, what are some of the ways that you're trying to fill that void right now? Uh, so I haven't felt anything yet, maybe because it's still kind of fresh and I haven't really seen, you know, how the athletes really perform without me being there. Because there's a difference when I'm performing, everybody does okay. But when I'm in a competition, everybody want to jump for it. So <laughs> I got to see how it balances it out this year. But, um, you know, I've been enjoying myself. I, I live in Arkansas. I'm still involved with track. I coach two athletes out there. Um, I get able to go home randomly all uh, into Mississippi and see my son, and he's in track and field right now, being able to go watch him do his, his thing on the track and being able to go to his basketball games, football games. So I've been enjoying myself. Love to hear that. And last question, Brittany. I think this is the most important question, probably. Um, you, uh, I, I think it's your foundation or maybe a humanitarian more than anything else. Uh, you've made a lot of efforts over the years to use your status to help the less fortunate, whether that's getting a bunch of meals to the needy during the holidays. I know you have a couple of uh, scholarships set up. I believe they're specific to track and field to help a, a young man and woman who maybe come from, uh, from less fortunate uh, backgrounds to help them go to college um, the greatest humanitarians tend to have something in their background that leads them to want to make sure that they're helping others as well so for you is there a person or perhaps a moment in your life where it clicked for you if and when I get to a position where I'm successful I'm gonna make sure that I'm paying it back to others yeah so uh, like I told you earlier I was raised by my grandma my great my grandfather and my great-grandmother so she always told me never forget where you came from so once that kind of stuck with me so once I turned professional and was able to you know once I got my family situated the way I wanted them to be done um, I started doing things for my community um, like you said I have scholarship funds um, I rented out a movie theater so that the kids could go see Black Panther for free um, the turkeys, I got 100 turkeys and distributing from different churches to different like organizations, radio shows and things like that. Um, I've done a lot, whole bunch of things that is just me just paying it for because my community has been there for me throughout my entire process. So, And it's like the youth, I want them to see me. I, they, a girl was at my house, not my mom's house, like two days ago and didn't realize my niece um, was was me like my niece was knows me and she walked in my house and she was just starstruck she had to run back out the house because <laughs> she didn't want to see me and it was just funny just like I want the kids to see me I go to basketball games I go to football games I go to baseball games because I want them to see that you can you can be successful out here wow well uh thank you so much for that congratulations on all your successes welcome to Austin have fun with South by Southwest today and uh thank you so much for the time today thank you so much appreciate it and thanks to you for checking us out A reminder that you can hear all of my South by Southwest conversations at booksonpod.com. Just click that SXSW tab at the top of the page. It takes you to all my chats from this year's festival. Thank you to Gentleman Jesus for the intro and outro music. Make sure to give us a follow on social media at Books on Pod. For Books on Pod, I'm Trey Elling. Good day. Good day.